mutation, a noun. The act of being altered or changed. Second definition, the illegal genetic condition, U.S. Statute 5504178, first apparent in puberty, caused by the X factor, located in the pineal gland of the brain. Hey everybody, welcome back to Stuff You Don't Need to Know. This is Jay, and that movie prologue, I'm sure you recognize it, because it is probably from one of the greatest X-Men, or, or I should say X-Verse movies ever. You don't remember it? From 1996? Generation X? That deep, dark secret that Marvel keeps buried away that they really wish you didn't know existed, but you can totally find for free on YouTube and watch the entire thing? Yes, that movie, Generation X. Well, guys, I'm going to continue talking about the time when, you know, we comic book fans of, of a, uh, a more mature age, shall we say, uh, you know, really had to suffer through some some cinematic garbage before we got, you know, the great sort of superhero films that we have today. And, and you know, sure, look, Marvel's been hitting it out of the park, you know, 10 years, uh, you know, building up the, the entire Infinity Gauntlet saga. Uh, you know, even DC's turning things around with, with Shazam and, and Wonder Woman and Aquaman. And, uh, you know, things are looking really, really bright. But there was a time, yes, there was a time, late 80s, all the way through the 90s, even through the early 2000s, when superhero films, for the most part, stunk on ice. And this one is no exception. Yep, so coming out in 1996, Generation X was, it originally was going to be a pilot for a TV show based on Generation X. Now, if you don't know Generation X, look, right around the late 80s uh, into the early to mid 90s, the X-Men were a hot property. Uh, they had a lot of titles. There was X-Men, Uncanny X-Men, you had X-Factor, you had X-Force. Uh, every year you had a big X crossover, uh, Extinction Agenda, Age of Apocalypse, uh, you know, a, a, a lot of these coming out. And, you know, I think Marvel really wanted to capitalize on this. Uh, you know, don't forget around, I believe it was 92, um, the X-Men animated series came out. And that was a great series. It was really, really popular. The X-Men were on fire. So why not capitalize on it? You know, why not create an X-Team for that new hip generation? And you know what? You got the X-Factor in your genes which leads to creating X-Men and X-Force, and we need a new generation of them, Generation X. Yeah, so Generation X was a comic that came out, um, I believe, I'm going to look it up actually while I'm talking here. I mean, Generation X was, was a cartoon that came, uh, I'm sorry, it was a uh, comic book series that came out, uh, let me check real quick for you. It debuted in 1994. Um, it was actually an offshoot of the Phalanx Con... Um, covenant which again was that year's big sort of like x crossover um because in that some of the characters that went on to uh, appear in generation x kind of got their start there and really what it was it was it was a new uh xavier school for for the gifted um it was set somewhere else uh you know it wasn't in upstate new york i believe it was uh, somewhere in massachusetts and uh it was going to be a new school for a new group of mutants uh it was run by sean cassidy aka the banshee and emma frost uh you know the white queen uh, whatever it is that you wish to call her and uh kind of like also 
playing off of the popularity of, of the X-Men and to kind of, I guess, give it that sort of crossover legitimacy, uh, Jubilee was put in there. Jubilation, Jubilation Lee herself was put in there, who at the time, uh, I, I think in large part due to the comic series, uh, I'm sorry, to the cartoon series, you know, Jubilee was a very, very popular character. So she was kind of a good crossover character. Uh, you know, they were basically saying that, you know, you know, yeah, Jubilee is an X-Man, but, you know, she really still still needs to develop her powers. And, you know, the current, you know, students uh, at Xavier School, I mean, they were older, they were mature, uh, you know, they knew their powers. I mean, they were basically a mutant strike force. She's still trying to learn how to deal with her powers, how to fight, whatnot. So she is shipped off to, you know, uh, the new Xavier School for the Gifted. I, I remember reading this series... It really wasn't too bad, um, you know. It introduced some good new characters. Uh, Ju- uh, Jubilee was a good kind of throwback to the X Men. Also, there was a, a character called Husk uh, who was one of the Guthries. Uh, Sam Guthrie, of course, was Cannonball. Um, you know, uh, at that time, because I'm not sure, you know, nowadays uh, in the whole X Verse, you know, where the Guthries sort of stack up. You know, the Guthrie family uh, out there in Kentucky, uh, they were basically a family of mutants. And, uh, you know, Sam's, one of Sam's younger sisters uh, had a mutant ability where she could basically shed her skin and there would be a new form underneath. Uh, You know, she could take like elemental forms. She could uh, almost kind of disguise herself. uh, And like I said, her name was Husk. Um, So, you know, X-Men were hot. X-Men cartoons really, really hot. Uh, Fox is thinking of making a, you know, a full-length X-Men movie, which would be coming out a few years after this. So, you know what? Superheroes are a real hot property right now. Let's get something out there on TV. We got some really good source material here, and uh, we're going to really spend absolutely no money on it. Uh, we're going to put absolutely no thought into it. Um, we're going to barely reference the comic at all and you know what we'll create a villain and we'll just remove a couple of the members of generation x and just throw in two totally made up people and this is what we get so originally like i said it was going to be a pilot for this tv show uh i guess i'm guessing uh when when it was screened and they saw really what a disaster it was they they just released it as a tv movie and basically it's pretty much the origin of generation x and uh you know we do a little uh look into the past here uh you know a little bit of a prelude uh where we see uh we see this doctor uh played by matt frewer now if you don't know who matt frewer is uh if you remember max headroom back in the day that's Matt Frewer. Uh, he's playing a guy by the name of Dr. Russell Tress, uh, who's basically when this opens. And again, you can find this on YouTube. And, uh, you know, I watched it uh, about two days ago and God, it does not hold up. But like I said, you know, this film starts off uh, basically with Dr. Tresh uh, having a young mutant strapped to a table with an assistant standing there holding a bone saw. Bonesaw's ready! No, not that Bonesaw. I wish it was that Bonesaw. Would have been a better film. Uh, basically standing there with a little Bonesaw, and it's like, yeah, they're going to cut into the brain. Uh, Dr. Trash basically works with Emma Frost, and uh, they're sort of researching uh, mutant abilities uh, as well as, you know, you know that realm? The dream realm? You know, it comes up in comics all the time, you know, in the X franchise, Doctor Strange and all that. The dream realm. You know that. 
yeah, they made it up. Uh, you know, they're, they're researching that. And Dr. Tresh basically feels that if he could extract uh, genetic material from mutants, uh, he can give himself abilities. So, of course, he's just going to kidnap some mutants and cut them open and experiment on them. So, Emma Frost to the rescue. Emma Frost in this. Now, if you remember uh, in X-Men First Class, Emma Frost was very famously or infamously played by January Jones. Uh, yeah, I mean, in Generation X, the actress's name is Finola Hughes, who I am not familiar with at all. Oh, I really don't know between Finola Hughes and January Jones, who was the worst Emma Frost. It's really a toss-up. Uh, at least, at least in X-Men First Class, um, they have that Emma Frost dress the way she dresses in the comics and pretty much have the same abilities here finola hughes kind of dresses in lingerie she looks more like a hot topic model than anything um she really doesn't say much she kind of has this constant pouty face about her and when she confronts dr tresh and puts a stop to it she kind of glares at him and the wind starts blowing and we see lightning so um apparently she's storm Anyway, she busts it all up. Uh, the government runs in, though, and they're like, hey, that kid's a mutant. Mutant Registration Act. So, yeah, we're taking him. And that's just never brought up again. I guess maybe when the series had gone on, uh, the whole Mutant Registration Act and, and all that would have come up. But, you know, it's, it's, it's a one-and-done thing here. And then we get five years later. What we're going to put together the team. So one of the first recruits that we see is, uh, is a young man by the name of Angelo Espinoza, a.k.a. Skin. Now, Skin is a member of Generation X in the comics. And really, pretty much like his power says, his skin stretches. You know, he's not like Mr. Fantastic, where he could pretty much elongate his body over great lengths. His skin, basically, uh, when you would see him in the comics, uh, his skin was was like a grayish color, and it was almost sort of dripping off of him like a, like a melting candle. Uh, he had he had difficulty really controlling it. He really had to focus uh, and, and sort of maintain discipline and control. Uh, to really kind of hold his skin together. And even if he did that, like I said, his skin still had a grayish tint to it. So he really stood out. Well, in this show, uh, Angela Espinosa is played by a young man by the name of uh, Augustin Rodriguez, and he looks like any other teenager out there. Until we see him, you know, departing for, you know, Xavier's school, and his sister gives him a hug. She doesn't want to let go, and she won't let go of his hand, and it stretches out basically like Mr. Fantastic. I mean, that's really not what Skin's ability was. I mean, it was his skin that stretched out. It was very, very limited. And, you know, it had a very distinct look to it. But, you know what? I guess we just don't have the budget for it. So, you know, they they did the best they could. Uh, The next member that we see being recruited is Jubilee. Remember her? Jubilation Lee. She is played by Heather McComb. And I'm just going to let that sink in there. Because, as I'm sure everybody knows, Jubilee is Chinese-American. Heather McComb looks nothing like a Chinese-American young girl. Uh, You know, they kind of dress her up like Jubilee in the comics. Uh, I mean, again, when I was watching it, I was like rolling my eyes. But then I remembered... Eh, mid-90s, yeah, that kind of was Jubilee's look with sort of like that yellow rain slicker, uh, the funky shades, and they gave her like this yellow day glow lipstick. So, 
kind of like her origin in the comics. Uh, we see her at an arcade, and again, this is five years later. So Dr. Tresh now, Dr. Tresh um, is pretty much doing subliminal subliminal messaging uh, everywhere, uh, especially in video games, because he's really looking for mutants to kind of butt out. So um, Jubilee is playing Mortal Kombat, I believe it was, or maybe it was Killer Instinct. It was one of those games, and uh, she's getting these subliminal messages, and basically uh, her mutant powers, which I don't think she had discovered yet, sort of manifest, which, again, it's the fireworks, and I mean... Yeah, I mean, I know Jubilee was a really popular character, but fireworks? Whatever. Um, You know, she's promptly arrested. Her parents are just like, you know, Jubilee, you screwed up. Uh, We're going to send you to Xavier School for Gifted Youngsters. So she and Skin arrive, and they meet the rest of the team. So who is the rest of the team? Well, like I said, two of the members are actually members of Generation X, and um, that is a guy by the name of Mondo, who is played by this actor named Bumper Robinson. Now, Mondo, basically, um, he absorbs elemental material. Uh, Really, sort of any uh, organic or inorganic I'm sorry, organic or inorganic material that he touches, um, he's sort of able to absorb it. Uh, He touches a diamond, he gets the consistency of a diamond. Now, in the comics, he actually would take he would take on that physical characteristic. So if he touched a diamond, uh, his skin basically would take on a diamond consistency. Here, we see him picking up a rock, staring at it, and then a kid punches him in the face and is like, ow, my hand, your head is as hard as a rock. Again, I guess I just didn't have the money for special effects. Uh, The other member of the team is a young lady by the name of Monet Yvette Clarisse Marie Therese Sincroix, a.k.a. M., now, in the comics, M basically was this perfect-looking girl with a genius-level IQ, uh, the ability of flight. She had psionic power. She basically had every single power, except she was autistic. Um, you know, it was picked up on one of the early issues when uh, they couldn't understand kind of like... She, she appeared very, very gifted. However, you know, because it was a school when they would give tests and things like that, she would draw cartoons and had difficulty communicating with her teammates. Um, when another member of the X-Men, I really don't remember who it was, showed up, maybe it was the Beast, he pretty much saw right off the bat, he's like, this girl's autistic. Um, here on the TV show, uh, they get a lovely young actress by the name of Amaryllis no idea who she is, a very lovely looking girl, and basically that's what it is, is she's just this very beautiful girl who's like, I pretty much have all the powers, I'm really, really awesome, so again, they really don't have to spend any money on her or any sort of special effects at all, and yeah, I mean, that's what we get. Now, there's two more members of this team who, again, were not members of Generation X and are really nowhere to be found, uh, you know, in the comics at all. We have uh, a young girl by the name of Buff, who basically, yeah, she was very, very muscular and strong, but she's also highly insecure because, you know, look, back then, girls with muscles, women with muscles, it was really looked down upon. So she walks around in sort of like baggy sweatshirts. So, you know, when they do sort of reveal her, um, you know, uh, there's one scene where she's kind of changing. So we see her back, stunt double. And at the end, when she actually comes out in a, in a form-fitting suit, uh, it's a suit with muscles. So that's how we got away with that. And last but not least, we have a young man uh, by the name of Kurt Pistorius, a.k.a. Refrax. He was basically Cyclops that can control his powers because he wears shades. 
And you're sort of like, uh-oh, what happens when he takes off his shades? Is he just going to zap people? No, he can control it. He can control the distance that it goes. Uh, you know, he can create his beams wide, narrow, do all sorts of things. So why is he not an X-Man? Uh, and he's, and of course, you know, he's like a loose cannon. He's, he's, a, he's a wisecracker. Um, like I said, you know, Emma Frost uh, is one of the head, head, she's the headmistress. And the other one, of course, is Banshee, Sean Cassidy. Um... Here on Generation X, uh, Banshee's played by an actor by the name of Jeremy Ratchford, uh, who was a young man at the time, and he actually voiced Banshee uh, in the X-Men cartoons. Uh, here's the problem. is uh, Banshee is Irish. Um, Jeremy Ratchford is not Irish and cannot do an Irish accent at all. Um, I was watching it last, uh, last night, two nights ago, whatever. Uh, you know, it's, it's bad. It's really, really bad. Plus, you know... Banshee is is a bit of an older character. You know, he's one of the more senior members of the X-Men. Uh, he's well-respected. Um, he's, a, he's a very good teacher. He's a very, very good leader. Here, he's sort of like, yeah, I'm a hip young guy. I can relate to you kids. Oh, yeah, I'm real cool. Check out all the stuff I can do. I'm really good. It's just nothing fits. Nothing fits here. None of the characters are like anything in the comics. Uh, you know, we really don't understand what anybody's powers are. Emma Frost, who is powerful, powerful telepath, you know, her psionic abilities, you know, rival Jean Grey, rival Professor X. Here, she glares, the wind blows, lightning strikes. Uh, I mean, the effects that they do do to show um, Banshee's sort of sonic scream were kind of cool for the 90s. Uh, They really don't hold up well today. And then, like I said, with the other ones, you know, a girl that's incredibly perfect and has super strength, uh, a girl that's incredibly muscular but hides her body under baggy sweatshirts, uh, you know, a kid with laser beam eyes, and a kid who, you know, his his skin can change the consistency of whatever he touches. We just don't see it. I mean, that's how we get through this. Uh, it's really poorly acted. It's got a really lousy story. So basically, Matt Frewer, Dr. Trash, um, he basically becomes, uh, from that awesome Batman and Robin film, um, he basically is the Jim Carrey Riddler. Uh, he creates a device to go into people's minds never heard of that one before right he goes into people's minds he specifically goes into their dreams and he pretty much uh goes into the dreams of jubilee and skin uh jubilee is able to resist him skin is not because and this is true it is incredibly disgusting and it was on fox you know prime time uh he sneaks into angelo's dreams skin's dreams uh and basically shows him his younger sister and basically says that he is going to molest her. Yeah, to get him to cooperate. Because he wants that genetic material. He wants to become, you know, a mutant. He wants to become the Dream Master. He wants to become the Riddler. I mean, he pretty much acts like Jim Carrey's Riddler. Then again, Matt Frewer was around a lot longer, acting wacky, than Jim Carrey was. So, who copied who? Who knows? Who could say? But that's basically what this film was. Uh, there's sort of kind of a climactic battle scene, I think. I really, do, I was really starting to tune it out going, I hated it back then, and I really hate it now. Um, how this didn't destroy the X franchise, I'll never know. Um, again, I think this is like Marvel's dirty little secret that they kind of bury away somewhere. Like, Generation X... We didn't do that. 
That's not us. Ah, that was DC. Ah, nah, I don't know any Generation X. Um, yeah, I mean, like I said, you can find it on YouTube for free. The The quality is so-so, but... Yeah, and I'm talking about the audiovisual quality. I mean, the movie stinks. It flat out stinks. It stinks so bad. It's not even like, oh, it's so bad. It's funny. Ha 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 ha. No, it's really, really bad. Uh, it's about an hour and a half long, and it feels like it's about five years long. Um, again, Generation X was not a bad comic book. I mean, at that time, the X books were really getting oversaturated. Uh, I had been a fan of the X Men uh, when Jim Lee came back. Uh, years earlier and kind of started doing the art again with uh, X-Men number one, uh, Uncanny X-Men, X-Force, X-Factor. I loved it. I did pick up Generation X after the Phalanx Covenant. Um, One of the things I was disappointed in is um, in the Phalanx Covenant kind of leading up to um, leading, leading up to Generation X, uh, we saw Blink. Now, if you remember in um, Days of Future Past, Blink makes an appearance there, and she was awesome. Uh, Blink was an awesome, awesome character, and uh, yeah, they killed her off in in the Phalanx Covenant, uh, so we never got to see her in Generation X. Um, In the comic Generation X, uh, Samantha Guthrie, that's who it was, Husk, um, she showed up on the team, she was determined to be like her brother, Uh, she wanted to be the leader of the team, and she realized she had a lot to learn. Uh, Her ability to shed her skin and reveal sort of like a new consistency underneath was really, really cool. Uh, There was another mutant on the team by the name of Chamber, uh, who basically, his body was a Chamber for an incredible amount of psionic energy. Um, So much so that when he accidentally used it, he pretty much blew off the front of his body. So he walks around um, with a giant hole from basically just underneath his eyes all the way down to about midway through his chest and psionic energy just radiates from it. Uh, he He communicates telepathically. I mean, it was pretty, pretty interesting but, like I said, the X-Books were really getting oversaturated at that time. Mid-90s, the comic book bubble was bursting. There was just too much stuff out there, too much stuff to keep track of, um, you know, and the quality was really starting to go down. But this show, this movie, TV movie, whatever, it was a cluster F. And thank God it came, it went, and it was forgotten because it really could have prevented you know, the X-Men movies from coming out, the Brian Singer movies from coming out. Yeah, who knows? Um, but yeah, I mean, if you ever want to see what it was like for us comic book fans back in the 90s, uh, go on YouTube, look for Generation X movie, and try to watch it. Try to make it to the end. You won't. Trust me, you won't. You won't make it to the end. If you make it halfway through, bonus points to you. I doubt you will. It's that bad. Guys, thanks for listening. Do me a favor. Head on over to Instagram. Uh, Stuff you don't need to know is there. Uh, I post pictures uh, of the content that I talk about. Uh, Maybe I'll throw a few polls up there. Uh, I'm going to continue talking about really bad superhero films from uh, late 80s, mid 80s, all the way through to the 2000s, the stuff that we had to suffer through so you guys could have had Iron Man. Uh, And, you know... Some other stuff I'll talk about, fun stuff. Don't worry about it. This is Jay, and I'll talk to you guys later.